0: Hello, welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent, Jonathan Carl, And I'm ABC News Political Director, Rick Klein. Rick, it's Don Jr. week at the White House. (laughs) Um, Actually, there's a lot going on. I mean, there's actually a lot going on. We've got got a big healthcare battle still going on on Capitol Hill. We've got a new FBI director facing his, or nominee, uh, facing his confirmation hearing. We've got the president uh, embarking on his third foreign trip, uh, this one to, to France for Bastille Day. But I, I got to tell you, um, the Don Jr. story has, uh, has, has, has uh, kind of dominated everything else. And the other thing that is striking as your White House correspondent is the fact that I go to the White House every day. I have not caught a glimpse of either the president of the United States or his press secretary all week. <laughs> Do we know that they're in the building? Do we have confirmation of that? Is that well, established? You know, there's a little. There's, there are a couple little telltale signs. Uh, the, the, there is a Marine Guard, as uh, you know, yes. that, that, that stands watch at the West Wing whenever the President is in the Oval Office. I have seen uh, at times the Marine Guard there, so I assume I, I know that that means the President's in the Oval Office. Um, I have talked to a colleague who caught a glimpse of of Sean Spicer. I've heard what sounded like Spicer's voice behind his door. I think he was in a meeting. So I think they're there. But let me tell you, this, this, and I know we sound a little bit like a broken record here, but this is not ordinary (laughs) uh, to see three straight days now, weekdays, four days if you want to include the Sunday, where there has not been a single public event on the president's schedule. That is unusual. For any president, it is particularly unusual for this president, who has taken such pride in the fact that he is so busy. He's high energy. He's doing lots of events. His schedule is. I mean, in this case, we haven't seen him.
1: Is it? Could it be that he doesn't have anything good to talk about? I mean, the the, the problem with his son in this, and what makes this a major moment for people that have been following every twist and turn of the Russia investigation. What made this a major marking point is that. It blew away a year's worth of explanations and denials and equivocations and and what have turned out to be half-truths and misstatements along the way. Now we know, because it's there in unbelievable black and white in this email, we know that the president's own son sought information that would have been colluding with what he thought was a Russian government agent. I mean, that's undeniable.
0: I would put it a little differently. Uh, I I don't dispute what you said, but I, I think the way I would put it is we know as an absolute fact indisputable fact that he was told that the russian government wanted to help his father's presidential campaign and hurt hillary clinton's campaign and we know that when he was told that he was willing in fact eager to accept that help he Those loved it he, i love it disputable facts now yeah. we don't know if this russian lawyer that he met with actually provided anything of significance we don't know if anything that she had to offer was related to at all to the hack of the DNC or the hack of uh, Podesta's emails, we don't know. We, th- th- those are those are all unknowables. We do know that there are denials on both sides. We know that, that Don Jr. denies that you know anything he got anything, and we know the lawyer uh, denies that she had anything whatsoever about uh, about Hillary Clinton. But 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 a very damning set of facts, primarily for what it shows that he was willing to do.
1: That's right. That's right. And and for all the talk of there were no meetings with the Russians and there was no no collusion no attempt to at collusion no attempt to at having contact all of that Gone, and it was such a big meeting. In fact, that Paul Manafort, as the campaign chairman, was there. As was Jared Kushner. Have you seen Jared at the White House this week? Because he's still a White House aide. He's the only person in that room that actually works in the government right now. Uh, He took the meeting. Uh, He hasn't really made himself evident either.
0: Yeah, you know, and and he's usually a little more behind the scenes. It is just it it is it is a little different for me when we don't see the president himself or his press secretary. So I I know we're going to have a conversation coming up with Senator Richard Durbin, uh, obviously the number two Democrat in the Senate. it kind of a particular uh, uh, point of view on this uh, and, of course, on the health care battle. But I, but I want to go through – I, I want to kind of establish a bit of, of what's been going on. And we've got some, some sound clips uh, that, that, that our, uh, our, our team has put together to kind of give us where we are. And let's start with Don Jr. himself. He, yeah. had, a, had, a, he had the interview with Sean Hannity. By the way, when was the last time the President of the United States did an interview that was not on Fox?
1: It, I think you have to go back you have to go back to
0: Lester Holt, the Lester Holt interview, yeah, yeah. which was a long time ago. it's a while ago. Um, but he is about to do an interview that is not on Fox. This is, is, also, this is also very interesting. So he, he is branching out where the, the president's going to go out and give an interview that is not on Fox.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's, who's that with again? Uh, well, let's think. Uh, who do you think you want it to? do? Maybe Pat Robertson. It's with yeah, Pat Robertson. Robertson yeah, yeah Pat I you Pat you Robertson. go to the base. Right, yes. you go to the base when you're when when you're in doubt. But okay,
0: sorry. I, 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 that, that was a diversion. So l- 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 let's go to the interview. Sean Hannity on Fox News. Donald Trump Jr. And first of all, I sensed, and this is the first clip that they put out of the interview. I thought I heard almost a little bit of contrition from. Donald Trump Jr., listen. In retrospect, I probably would have done things a little differently. Again, this is before the Russia mania. This is before they were building it up in the press. Okay. Maybe I'm reading a little bit too much in But he did say, in retrospect, I would have done things a little differently. In two
1: years of President Trump campaigning and now as president, has he ever said, in retrospect, I would have done something differently? Ever? Even once? Long pause. Radio silence. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and research. I don't think he has. I I, I
0: don't want to. um, So um, let's then listen to what Elsie said, though, uh, in this interview with Sean Hannity. For me, this was opposition research. They had something, you know, maybe concrete evidence to all the stories I'd been hearing about, but they were probably underreported for you know years, not just during the campaign. So I think I wanted to hear it out, but really it, it went nowhere and it was apparent that that wasn't what the meeting was actually about. Yeah. So and he goes on to say like he gets an email and he responds. What else is he going to do? I mean, there's clearly not any real regret.
1: there. No, no. And, and I think I think giving the interview to Hannity is, a, is partly a sign that he, he wanted to, to give one big interview to, to try to clear the air on this. But it puts it puts his White, his white House, including his father, it was the White House and, and his dad, in a very tough spot. Because they're on the record as often as they've been, and it just takes away that veneer of deniability that they had. Even if you didn't believe them they could at least say it, that's no longer there because of what's down in the paper of these emails that Donald Trump Jr. was forced to disclose this week.
0: And the president, I know he's, he's very loyal to his family, obviously, um, and— we know how important Don Jr. is to his business operation. We know how important Don Jr. was uh, to the campaign. And frankly, I remember back at the Republican convention in Cleveland, he probably had one of the best speeches in the entire convention. Mm-hmm. Um, and, But, you know, he hasn't exactly run to the defense of his son here for a while um, until we got a, a, a tweet this morning. The only thing we had from the president himself came through his deputy press secretary in a briefing where they did not allow television cameras, and this was the one very short line from the deputy press secretary.
1: My son is a high high quality person, and I applaud his transparency. And beyond that, uh, I'm going to have to refer everything on this matter to John Jr.'s counsel and outside counsel and won't have anything else to add beyond that
0: today. Just to, just to clarify, she was not talking—that was Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She was not talking about her son. She was reading a statement from the president. <laughs> I'm sure she thinks highly um, of her children as well. High-quality yes. individual. High-quality individual, Yeah, uh, which he called Pence, to be fair. Oh, all right. There yes, so, so he's called—he's used that— you know, uh, high quality, but that was it. But then he did he did tweet that he was you know proud of his son's honesty and uh, and that he's innocent uh, and, he's, uh, and he's fully it, innocent it, it, that he's fully innocent, which you know might be
1: might be interesting as well as uh, as the special counsel digs in on this and is interested in that meeting that the president of the United States is now on the record there. But I agree it, it's all, it's a lukewarm defense uh, from not just the president but the whole White House apparatus. They have not been rallying behind Don Jr. Uh, and even even the president's lawyer seems to be distancing himself or distancing the president's a little bit, saying that he didn't know about it. Even Vice President Pence, whose statement made clear that he's not that interested in rehashing things that happened before he joined the campaign. That was really stunning as well. So that's another indication of why this is different than the other Russia stories.
0: Yeah. And, and I've, you know, going to the White House every day this week, you first of all, you see the uh, the assembled pool poll reporters those are the ones that get called in when the president does a bill signing or something in the Oval Office, or when we come in to see the president doing his job, I mean, they're just lying around, waiting to get called in. (laughs) (laughs) The phone's not ringing, you know? Uh, um, And so I've been asking people um, on the White House staff, what is is happening? What's going on? What is the president doing? Like, Um, all day long. All day long. Um, I did look, you know, you have to understand, you know this rick cuz you've spent time over there but the the white house the west wing very small right and and we in that briefing room are about 20 25 paces from the door to the oval office um, so you know, you're you're in kind of close proximity. We we're not allowed to go knock on the Oval Office, but sometimes when we uh, <laughs> when we go up to see the press secretary or the communications director, or the deputy there's no communications director right now, but right. In, in, when there is one, when, when, when we go up into that part of the uh, of the West Wing, there's a door that leads to a short hallway, which leads to the front door of the Oval Office. It's all very short. We're talking about like a short screen pass yeah. away. Yeah and um I, I looked up there yesterday and I just saw a um a secret service agent standing in front of the the main door into the into the uh Oval Office from that hallway just standing almost like he was usually you see a secret service agent kind of sitting next to the door yeah. when it's closed. Uh, standing there almost as if, I swear I got the sense, like the president said, make sure nobody comes in here. Uh, and, and, and I Hold hear uh-huh. I hear he's been angry. I hear the president yeah. has been extremely frustrated. He's been fuming, uh, taking it out on AIDS. His legal team was, was over there um, uh, yesterday, Tuesday. I heard they heard quite an earful from him. Um, not sure exactly what the nature of his complaint is other than, the extreme frustration that he has that the russia story does not go away yeah
1: and and it has been made worse now by his own son so it's one of the people that you really can't put that
0: much distance between yourself and 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 my sense is he has not lashed out at his son in this although i i mean who knows you can,
1: but you you've seen the split before. I mean, you go back through the campaign, and there was there were different power centers inside of Trump Tower and inside that campaign that the sons were in their own bucket, and there were different campaign groups that were maneuvering around that, and it continues right now. To know that you've got the adult sons who are outside the White House handling the business interests, but but creating this major major distraction and putting the credibility of all these officials
0: on the line. And uh, our our colleague over at the New York Times, Maggie Haberman, uh, and 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 and. Uh, her piece with some of the other reporters over there um, talked about the – reported that the statement that came out on Saturday from Don Jr., the one that now looks really bad. Yeah. Uh, the one where this is all about adoption, you know, um, the, the statement that now looks at charitably, you know. Right. Uh, grossly incomplete um, was drafted on Air Force One by the president and his uh, and his aides. She didn't specify which aides. Uh, but all done without uh, the involvement of the president's legal team, uh, Mark Kasowitz, and, uh, and and his team of lawyers. Um, so we know that Jay Sekulow on uh, Good Morning America denied that, said right. that that was not true. But we also know that he might not know because he by Maggie's reporting, <laughs> he wasn't part of it. Yeah. And I will tell you this. It's consistent with what I've heard. Yeah, Um, Yeah. that that they were the legal team was completely out of the loop on this. Yeah,
1: and and it's 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 fascinating, and it's and it's forced the White House to recalibrate even what it's saying about uh, about potential collusion. I mean, you're hearing now parsing from the podium. You're hearing parsing to to a new level of trying to deny something that right now has become become obvious. They were not. Fully honest at, at okay.
0: really any stage of this because so I, I want to get to that you're referring to what Sarah Huckabee yeah. Sanders uh, said at her at her one of her again uh, off cameras <laughs> banned uh, briefings but before we get to that we had the we had the FBI nominee uh, Christopher Ray um, uh, you know nominated to replace um, uh, Comey James Comey. Um, heard of him? Have, yeah, yeah, you remember him? Uh, ha, had, had his uh, uh, confirmation hearing up uh, Senate, and this was an interesting. You know, the, 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 these hearings are interesting. But the guy that I always love to watch is Lindsey Graham, because Lindsey Graham's an old country lawyer from South <laughs> Carolina, and he started out by um, by asking Ray if he was, you know, if he would be concerned about the Ukrainian government trying to help out. Uh, the the Clinton campaign because this is something that's been brought up by the White House and they quickly dispatched with that. But then uh, he had some interesting questions to Ray about Don Jr. Take a listen.
2: Let me ask you
1: this. If I got a call from somebody saying the Russian government wants to help Lindsey Graham get reelected, they've got dirt on Lindsey Graham's opponent. Should I take that meeting?
0: Well, Senator, I would think you'd want to consult with some good legal advisors before you did that. So
1: the answer is: Should I call the FBI?
0: I think it would be wise to You're let the going FBI to be the director
1: know. of the FBI, pal. So here's what I want you to tell every politician: If you get a call from somebody suggesting that a foreign government wants to help you by disparaging your opponent, tell us all to call the
0: FBI. To the members of this committee, any threat or effort to interfere with our elections from any nation state or any non-state actor is the kind of thing the FBI would want to know. All right. So I'll take it that we should call you. And that's a great answer. So, Rick, you, you were still, you know, you were like in first or second grade, I think. But but I, I'm old enough to remember when Lindsey Graham was a freshman member of the House, uh, the junior, actually the second most junior member of the of the House Judiciary Committee during the impeachment hearings. And the and then appointed, you know, to 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 be one of the managers that yeah, argued yeah. the case in the Senate, and uh, you know he's he's still got it. Back then, he was trying to he was trying to remove Bill Clinton from from <laughs> uh, from office. He seems a little he seems amped up about this. Of
1: course, and and that's the thing is he's that a
0: Republican. You remember, he, I know he's a I Lindsay do Graham. remember.
1: I do remember. I also remember that his phone. Uh, ended up getting destroyed because <laughs> Donald Trump gave out his phone <laughs> number publicly. Right, right. Uh, so they, they have that history. And as but, as,
0: uh, as Trump would remind us, he got zero percent in the uh, in, in the primaries. About that, about, what he said? That, yeah, about that, including in South Carolina, where <laughs> dropped out
1: before that. But but the the point here is that this does not make anyone feel good about defending President Trump. I I, I don't know how you look at this and say. Well, this is, there's nothing to see here. And it, I, tr- I think Lindsey Graham broke it down in a very simple way. And now we have the new the incoming, we presume, uh, director of the FBI, pending confirmation, saying that Donald Trump Jr. didn't act right here. Uh, and that's important, I think, for his own independence. It's also important just for, for laying down this marker about what is appropriate conduct.
0: Okay. I'm going to give you what is potentially the most charitable way to look at this and see what you think. Okay, right? go. Okay. Yeah. So this guy, Rob Goldstone who, you know... Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. I mean, kind of a character. Yeah, you know. yeah.
0: I all mean, right, come on. So this guy, Rob Goldstone, kind of a quirky, eccentric promoter who's got a, you know, a Russian rock star as, as, is, as his client. He wants to get his friend, this Russian lawyer, into into meet with the Trump folks. So he exaggerates. He says, oh, she's got great stuff. This is going to be amazing. She's really tied in with the, you know, with the Russian government. And they've got all this amazing stuff on Hillary. It's going to... And Don Jr., being inexperienced in the ways of politics, says, yeah, sure, I'd love to hear whatever you got. I mean, why not? Everybody wants to hear, you know, and loops in the others. uh, And they do it, and the guy doesn't actually have anything. His friend, the Russian lawyer, really is there because she wants to lobby on this Magnitsky Act. They don't really care about that. The meeting doesn't last very long. Okay, what, what harm was done? So no harm, no foul. Couple of things. Okay, A couple of things. Uh, right, one,
1: right. one. Uh, this was a person who's being represented as representing the Russian government.
0: Yeah, amped up. Yeah, uh, f- up, fine. You take the meeting. You
1: take the meeting. You take the meeting thinking that. You take the meeting thinking also that they're bringing compromising information around Hillary Clinton. And you take the meeting being told this is part of the Russian government's effort to try to influence the the election and to help your father's campaign. So all of those things have to happen. Then you have to loop in the campaign manager, the campaign chairman, uh, Paul Manafort, uh, and your brother-in-law, Jared Kushner, and you bring them I stop all you for in a for a the second. meeting. Can I stop you yeah. for a
0: second and just ask you a question? Yeah. So if all of that that was said in those emails is not true, if this guy is a promoter for a Russian pop star who's trying to get his friend in for a meeting, so he exaggerates everything and none of it is true. Yeah. Is there still a problem for Don Jr.?
1: Potentially, because it still would suggest intent, because he thought that, and he thought that's what he was getting. Because he was but, willing to accept but even, help. Yes, but even even Grant From a charlatan, he didn't really all have all any that. help to offer. True, yes, but, le, but let's let's grant all that. Then you have, there were no meetings between Russians uh, and uh, and Trump campaign officials. Oh. You, you have the... You mean the, the way
0: they... I don't want to say it's lied. a tough it's, word uh, it's to a, get, yeah, uh,
1: misled, perhaps. Weren't exactly uh, yeah. accurate they they were they were clear for months and months and months. That this, Manafort
0: in June.
1: That's right. With George. That's right. And and uh, we've had nothing with any Russians. And Don Jr. at the convention. They they, they called this a charade. Yeah. They called it a witch hunt. The president of the United States continues to call it a witch hunt. And in fact, they had been they had been not truthful. Uh, in the case of J- of Jared Kushner, he he omitted this meeting from an official government disclosure form. He's had to go back yep. and amend. And so the cover up, if not the crime, ends up being the story. Interesting.
0: So I, I want to get to the, the you, you referred, referred to the kind of legalistic uh, phrasing from the White House. I don't know if I would say legalistic. I don't know if they're trying to be cute here, but I did notice a very specific phrase from Sarah Huckabee Sanders earlier this week when asked about the question of collusion. You're,
1: are you vouching just for everyone in total or individuals or what? I'm saying that the president's campaign did not collude in any way. Okay. That's different people. What do you say about that? Don Jr., anyone, the names that are coming I would certainly say Don Jr. did not collude with anybody to influence the election. What about Flynn? To my knowledge, he did not collude with anybody uh, to influence the campaign. Again, I think I've been very clear. Our position is that no one within the Trump campaign colluded uh, in order to influence the, the election. That's a, lot of, it's a lot. of words. I mean, you know, I
2: mean,
0: it's it, it sounds kind of blank. It, While wearing nobody green pants, <laughs> with the intent, what what was the the influence of the to campaign. influence
1: the campaign? Yeah, that's a lot of careful words there that that get appended to what used to be a. We didn't have any contact with the no Russians. contact. We had nothing to do with the, Russians. The, the President Trump said no contact, no collusion. Boom. Now Four nobody words. with
0: the campaign colluded with the Russians to influence the influence campaign. the that's election. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, so one more thing before we get, we get uh, uh, to our discussion with Senator Durbin, also from today's hearing. I thought it was, was interesting that, that this is – I mean, can you imagine you know, having to step in to, yeah. uh, uh, to, to take the FBI director during this, during this time? So an uh, interesting question came from Senator Leahy about whether or not there had been a loyalty pledge, and here's what Ray had to say. My loyalty is to the Constitution – to the rule of law and to the mission of the FBI. And no one asked me for any kind of loyalty oath at any point during this process. And I sure as heck didn't offer one. And, you know, I, he sure as heck seemed to uh, win, win over some Democrats in that hearing.
1: Yeah. And, and I think the, the accounting that he had of how he got the job and the meetings he had and and the fact that he didn't have that conversation, that the president, neither the president or anyone else on at the White House team or the Justice Department, even mentioned this investigation, they seem to have played this one by the books. Uh, and it looks like he'll be confirmed, and we'll have a new director of the FBI under some of the strangest circumstances imaginable.
0: And I mean, you got to—I I guess you got to kind of give it to to the president here. I mean, he he picked a guy. Ultimately, they had a kind of an interesting process of getting there. You know, the Joe Lieberman flirtation and all of that, right? But they he managed to pick somebody for this highly contentious, you know. I mean, it, it, could there be anything more contentious than replacing right Jim Comey, who has, as far as I can tell, won over a heck of a lot of uh, Democrats.
1: Yeah, going to get a, a lot more votes than Neil Gorsuch did at the Supreme Court, even, uh, and 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 that seemed to go pretty well for them as well. So maybe maybe an attempt to, to turn down the temperature just a tiny little notch. Uh, as, as, as they, they look forward for new management uh, under less contentious circumstances. Hey, this is Dan Harris. And uh, I want to tell you about my podcast called 10% Happier. You can listen every Wednesday for new guests and new perspectives. Some of these are people you know, uh, celebrities, athletes, executives. Some of them are uh, more obscure people that I'm obsessed with that I think you might be obsessed with once you uh, give them a listen. And you can hear about how they're using meditation to up their game in all these interesting areas of life. Again, the podcast is called 10% Happier. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now and subscribe today. Now joining us on Powerhouse Politics, Senator Dick Durbin, the senior senator from the great state of Illinois and the number two Democrat in the United States Senate. And Senator, I want to start with the, the Christopher Ray confirmation hearings because you were there today and you had a couple of pointed exchanges, uh, including one where you asked him about um, meetings in the, in the Oval Office, meetings with the president, private meetings. He said that he felt that to be highly unlikely. Were you satisfied that, that a meeting like that should happen in private? Were you satisfied with that? Is that enough for you? Are you prepared to support this nomination?
2: Well, I can tell you, I've, I've not reached the point where I'm going to announce my position on this until I think about it a little bit, talk over with my staff, reflect on what he said. But he made a positive impression. Think about what an unusual moment we are in American history when we are talking about a director of the FBI. And the point I tried to make to him, the outgoing director of the FBI, Jim Comey, said, I don't want to be caught alone in the Oval Office with this president. How about that? Right. That's exactly what Comey said. And then Comey started saying, uh, and incidentally, when I walked out of the door of meetings with this president, I wrote it down, you know, a transcript of what I remembered that was said. That has incidentally evidentiary value from an FBI agent. Uh, and so I I tried to bring that uh, to Mr. Ray and said, what, "What are your thoughts on that?" Well, he doesn't. He didn't want to answer it directly because it was a pretty hard question. But I, I know from my conversations privately and what he said publicly here, he is very sensitive to the fact that he needs to maintain his independence. So one, one level
1: of that, of course, is avoiding uh, a private interaction. Uh, another level might be recording this. But how, how do you, assuming he's confirmed, how, how do you in the Senate and the Judiciary Committee and elsewhere, how do you police that once he is confirmed as FBI director? Is it just on him to self-police ultimately if there is some kind of interference with the White House?
2: The honest answer is that 's exactly what it is. Uh, we may call him in uh, to testify about a given investigation, although they're pretty close mouthed once they become directors. You know this investigation's underway pending litigation on and on and on they don 't say much it's rare that we call in an FBI director uh, on on something of substance there may be a budget question or where they're going to build a new building or something along those lines. But it's rare because, think about it. I mean, his job is not only going after the worst criminals in America, but the terrorists who are threatening America. And you just don't sit down in an open session with a room full of senators uh, under oath and start telling the secrets behind the investigation. Does does
1: he or whoever gets this job, do, do, does the FBI director under President Trump have to act Differently, at least in terms of that aspect of the job? Does, do they have to be on guard? Do they have to do the job differently than an FBI director under a previous president might have had to do?
2: Without question. I can tell you I've been there for Bob Mueller when he was director of the FBI, the renewal of his service, as well as Jim Comey. We never really got into the kinds of questions which Mr. Ray faced today. And they all get down to this. If this president does something else that is outrageous, talks about shutting down an investigation that may get into the White House, calls you a nut job. I mean, what are you going to do about it? I'm I'm pretty solid in the position that Ray is a man of principle. He respects Comey, told Comey at one point way long ago that if you leave the Department of Justice, I'm leaving with you. Uh, so I think he's a man of principle, and that is the important starting point. And we're asking those questions because this president has forced us to ask those questions. So essentially, he's got to be on guard. He's got to be
1: looking differently at every interaction with the White House than another president might have.
2: He does. I mean, uh, and when Rosenstein, who is the deputy attorney general now in charge of the Russian investigation with Mueller, called and asked Gray to take the job, he said to him, we've got an independent counsel now and Bob Mueller. It's going to create a much better atmosphere for your job with the FBI. That's just, I mean, that is an insight into the state of affairs six months into the Trump presidency. So I want to ask you
1: about the uh, the, the, the now infamous email exchange from Don Jr. that that came out earlier this week. Is that, to your mind, a game changer in terms of the public understanding of this storyline? Does it fill in significant gaps to your mind and, and take this to a
2: different level? It does. And I will tell you that you have to understand there's been denial from the White House, from the president on down, that there was ever any contact or that anything was done to help uh, the campaign by the Russians. Uh, And it turns out these emails tell the whole story. Uh, They were looking, the contacts were made, they were looking for help from someone purported to be with the Russian government. Turns out they weren't, but that's the representation that was made. Uh, and so in terms of denial, doesn't work anymore. The emails of Donald Trump Jr. himself uh, really tell the story.
1: And to your mind, what is that story? Is, is it collusion? Is it treason? What, what's the, what is the story that's told via these emails? Because you can read them on their face and say, well, at least there's the intent here. But is that criminal?
2: Uh, best spin, uh, a rookie in a political campaign, totally naive. I, somebody calls and says, I can give you some dirt on Hillary Clinton. He says, come on down, can't wait to hear it, and doesn't take into consideration this is a Russian government official or supposed to be. Worst case scenario, he knew exactly what he was getting into. I mean, there's a reason why we haven't seen these income tax returns. There are some connections with Russia and the Trump business that uh, I think uh, will ultimately be disclosed, but we don't know him today. But there's Donald Trump Jr. using his Russian connections uh, to help his father get elected president. Is it a crime? Well, that's for Bob Mueller, the independent counsel. I hate to pass uh, the buck on it, but I really believe he has to make that decision.
1: So we saw President Trump tweet uh, in, in defense of, of his son, um, a couple of different things. One of them is declaring him to be innocent. Is that we, we kind of think about his tweets as just you know this is part of what he does right now right and it's it's, it's breaking new, new barriers but is that influencing the investigation to your mind i mean the, the, the question of innocence is as you say for Mueller to decide and we've already heard from the white house the possibility that trump could step in the president could step in and fire bob Mueller is he is that just tweet things that don't matter very much or is that putting your finger
2: on the scale Well, I I, I will tell you this. First, I trust Bob Mueller. I I, I hate to do this as a politician because you stick your neck out too far, you can regret it. But when he comes down and makes his pronouncement as to whether or not this is serious and should be pursued by way of prosecution, I'm prepared to stand by him. I trust him that much. I think he really loves this country, and he's not going to play politics with this. Having said that, yes, the president has the power to basically dismiss Bob Mueller or anyone else, and I fear my greatest fear that as this gets closer and closer to his family and the White House, he'll be tempted to do it. That could precipitate a constitutional crisis. I hope we don't reach that point.
1: And your expectation would be based on the representation today that that Chris Ray would resign if it, if it came to that.
2: Well, that's 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 the way I feel. I mean, his his answers were pretty pretty direct on that, and uh, he was asked that by several different senators, and he was he was very strong in his response. I, I want to ask kind of a broader question just
1: aside from the partisanship as much as you can aside from the partisan politics you've been around Washington a long time this has been a, a, just an intense six months or so of, of the trump presidency what what is it like just for you personally waking up every day in the, the news madness with so many things popping in every direction maybe maybe for a senator this is typical I, I don't I, what what crosses your desk maybe is as busy I'll say from where I sit I've never seen anything like it. Is it is it dizzying to you from where you sit?
2: It is. It's very troubling because for the longest time, uh, for the first uh, ten, 10 or so years I was here, uh, before the arrival of Fox and some of these other things, The news channels and the news sources were pretty well known, who you could trust and who you couldn't. And then things started getting fuzzy. You know, all of a sudden, National Enquirer is being quoted seriously by people. And you're wondering, what's happening with news sources and information sources, truth and facts? And now we're in a completely uh, bizarre and surreal world of charges of fake news, sources phony stories, on and on and on. That troubles me as much as anything. In a democracy, you know, it, it's good to have differences of opinion and people expressing them. But when you have differences on facts and you can't agree on the basics, it really undermines public discourse, public conversation about the issues. That worries me the most. Even beyond this president, that worries me the most about where we're headed. When, if 40% of Americans get their news on Facebook, Forty percent on Facebook? You know, God save us. Uh, I read it so I can find out what my kids are talking about. (laughs) But I don't go to it as a news source. That, That, to me, would be pushing it. Are you are just a little
1: window into into the conversations you have with your colleagues in the Senate. I mean, are you are you guys checking Facebook and your Twitter feeds and and saying in in the cloakrooms, my God, can you believe what's happening? Or have you seen this? Just the torrent of news. I'm sure you have people that can keep you up to speed. It just it
2: just seems impossible to keep up with. It it is well. We've reached a point where we're almost like high school kids here. I, I try my darndest not to pull out my uh, iPhone, my cell phone, uh, but you know, you're in a meeting and people are saying, "Excuse me, did you just hear X Y Z happened?" And all I mean, it is constant. And I'm thinking we're gonna attention deficit disorder is gonna hit hard here, uh, for people our age who are bombarded with this late breaking news every fifteen minutes. Uh and yes, it it has changed the discourse, it's changed the conversation, uh, and it worries me about the ultimate impact it's gonna have on our democracy. So, one question on healthcare
1: before we let you go: uh, the the uh, there's an effort, as as you know, to to try to to get a Republican bill forward. Uh, there's the the partisan push that's continuing, and there's some amendments that are floating around. Is there any bipartisan action going on behind the scenes? Any any rumblings of something that could emerge should this effort from Republicans fail?
2: The Republicans who are interested in it, and there are some are waiting because McConnell has said, hold back, give me my chance to pass this bill. If he fails, and I hope he does because it's a terrible bill, I think it's going to unleash conversation and negotiation. Uh, And that's long overdue. It'll be bipartisan, and I hope that it's good. Uh, I'd love to be part of it, uh, and I trust some of the Republicans I've talked to. They want to do constructive things and make our health care system work better. They don't want to... uh, destroy it, repeal it, uh, take health health insurance away from 22 million people. So, yes, I think that once McConnell uh, has reached a point where he can't pass a bill, there will be such things occurring. But I'll tell you something else. It's rare around here that somebody like Mitch McConnell calls a bill if he doesn't have the votes. Um, He's got $100 billion to play with, literally, giving a wave to members to get their votes. Uh, I'd be surprised if he calls this bill and doesn't have the votes.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the idea of it failing on the floor, is it seems seems far-fetched. You've been in position on the majority side as well. But what are, what are a couple of things off the top of your head that you'd be interested in working on, reforms to Obamacare, reforms to insurance markets, that you think you could get some bipartisan
2: work on? Prescription drugs. That's the number one issue with the public. It is the hardest issue in the Senate, probably in the House too, because pharma has ingratiated itself to Democrats and Republicans alike, and it is hard to take them on. They're making so much money. They're driving up the cost of health insurance premiums with the outrageous costs that they're imposing on consumers across America. But that is number one. If we're serious, that's number one. Number two, as far as I'm concerned, is dealing with this individual insurance market. All of the horror stories that you hear about health insurance under the Affordable Care Act are confined to 6% of the American population that buys them on insurance exchanges. Can we fix this problem? Of course. course. course we can. Uh, But we've got to roll up our sleeves and say, how do we get an insurance pool that brings premiums down? The third thing I'd say is, no matter where you live in America, there ought to be a public option health insurance plan that you can choose for your family if you wish. Uh, That to me would be a a good way to make certain everyone has an option out there and one that's affordable.
1: Senator Dick Durbin, Democrat from Illinois, we appreciate you being here on Powerhouse Politics and uh, good luck with the Twitter feed and the Facebook feed and the rest going forward. Appreciate it.
2: Good to be with you. Thanks.
1: So there you have it from Senator Durbin. Possible that a health care compromise emerges out of the ashes and enlightening to me that senators are just as overwhelmed as the rest of us by this news cycle in uh, Donald Trump's Washington. That does it for this edition of Powerhouse Politics. You can follow John on Twitter, at John Carl. You can follow me, at Rick Klein. You can subscribe to our podcasts. You can find us anywhere these days. Please leave us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, give us a hashtag at Powerhouse Politics and Ask us a question. We'll try to answer it. And please click on us next time.